0: Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonic's aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to Sonic's Flight. This is episode number 22. Preparing for the unexpected. We're going to have a discussion about things you can do to help prepare to handle unexpected circumstances that come up while flying really outside your local area. Uh, We'll talk about breakdowns away from home, uh, tools and supplies that you might want to carry without bringing your entire toolbox, any kind of airplane prep before you head out, and then getting into the right mindset to handle these things that might come up when you're out and about. And we might even uh, throw in a flying story or two in there of which at least 10% is guaranteed to be true. My name is Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonic 1374, and joining me again are my two good flying buddies, John Gillis and Gary Motley. John has several hundred hours behind his Jabiru-powered YX, and he's best known for his customizations, like his toe brakes, and I think, John, what are you up to, like 75 sets now?
1: Gosh, you know, I, I'm probably close to 50.
0: That's pretty but good. But
1: 75 looks good.
0: Yeah, we'll just we'll just call it 75, you know, round it up, all that. <laughs> I'm y- good with that. Yeah. Uh the other thing, which we're gonna have to talk to at some point, um, is your your two-axis electric trim. That's a pretty slick system, and I don't think uh I don't think we've really talked too much about that. That could be a whole episode. Yeah, we'll we'll put that on the list. And uh and then all the other things you'd like to do, we talk about it, most of that stuff. Um, your vinyl wrapped finish, which uh, is uh, is pretty cool. How's that holding up?
1: Uh, it's actually holding up really well. Um, some of the since my plane was kind of a demo, um, we've learning you know how, how to deal with edges and things. But uh, overall, you know, you can scrub that thing really hard, and, and it shines without wax, and I love it.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that. That's a whole other show right there, too. All right, so uh, we'll circle back to uh, two-axis electric trim and vinyl wrapping. And then also, uh, Gary. Gary is the builder of Hound Dog, his v powered tail dragger Sonics. He has uh, over 600 hours in that airplane, and as uh, a former CFI, uh, longtime pilot, travels all over, flies everywhere. Gary is the
2: pilot I want to be when I grow up. There you go. You just have to be about another 20 years older and you'll get
0: there. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, at least I've got you beat in the looks department, so um, I'm catching you on the rest. Uh, We'll see. Hey, I think
1: we all (laughs) got him beat on the looks department, so that's not a big compliment.
2: (laughs) Yeah, just remember mine was called the hound dog for a reason, perhaps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's that sultry voice of yours.
0: Hey, and uh, I've said this before, but I have seen Gary work a room, and uh, his little black book is the size of a phone book.
2: (laughs) Uh, It's all digitalized
1: now.
0: It's just
1: (laughs) in a chip. That kind of coincides with this. How many marriages there,
0: Gary?
2: I don't know. How many fingers do I have left here? (laughs) 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 A whole nother podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, and uh, and back again from uh, one of our early episodes on Aero V Turbo is uh, Carl, Carl Benda. Carl is a member of the, the Con- Colorado Wing. Uh, he's based there in, in Colorado Springs, and and Carl has been out and about uh, doing interesting things since we last talked to him. He's still flying his Aero V Turbo in his Sonics, and uh, he has put some more hours on his uh, Cessna 175. And then I uh, managed to find himself a real nice little nanchang cj5 warbird so uh he's got a he's got the 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 dilemma of which airplane do I want to fly today so no sympathy for me carl How, how's that thing flying by the way
3: uh it is it is a lot of fun it's uh it's it, it, it's a unique uh, type of flight with a nine cylinder radial engine and it's a lot of fun to fly so.
2: You're going to take yeah, it. And and I, both gotten and I don't think you've been in it yet, Jeff, but you need to get in that thing as soon as you can.
0: Well, Carl, I will meet you on the flight line at Oshkosh and we'll go fly it. <laughs>
1: yeah. how's, <your, clears throat> how's your Chinese? Because
3: all the instruments in the backseat are in Chinese. That is correct. It's all Chinese.
0: Well, yeah, you know, um, I, I've watched enough pirated movies, I think I can get through it. <laughs> How about your uh, your turbo? Uh, how's that doing? Uh,
3: the turbo, I am still i I am battling uh, issue with the rear flywheel uh, leaking oil around the dowel pins on the crankcase or crankshaft. So I had it out last week, pulled the engine last week to see if it was leaking at the seal or at the pins, and it was actually leaking at the you know the back of the crankshaft dowel pins where the flywheel goes on and i tried sealing that off again and i flew it for about an hour last weekend and it was it still was leaking so i got to pull it out again and try it again so hmm. i guess i'm just not putting enough of frosting on that area
1: would it would it help to just put quick releases on your engine so that you can just pull it off in like
3: five minutes I would have thought about doing like a hinge-type system to where I could just swing it over like on the old 195 radials. You know, you could just unlock one side and swing it over to one side and have access to it. <laughs> I'm almost there.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll get that solved. Um,
3: but other than it's just a nuisance. I mean, it's not a safety of flight leak. You know, it's just a, it's a nuisance to where if it leaks, uh, you know teaspoon or two teaspoons in half an hour or 45 minutes is just messy you know performance-wise plane flies outstanding
0: your uh your turbo is just following your nanchang it says uh it slobbers oil i want to slobber oil too
3: actually the nanchang slobbers a lot less than you would think i mean it is actually a pretty dry engine so it burns quite a bit but it doesn't leak as much as it, you would think so hmm. yeah tell
2: the people how many gallons of oil does that plane hold
3: uh eight about eight gallons and burns about a quarter an hour I, I think that eight gallon is a clue
1: <laughs> <laughs> and when you when you have to burp out a quart you know just when you uh
3: pre-flight it pretty much yeah you lose a quart when you pre-flight draining the cylinders and the intake system and everywhere else so yeah that that it does do so but you know that's normal it's a
1: hell of a fun plane to fly, even if you get greasy in the back back, back seat.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've uh, you know talked about the uh, the Nan Chang, um, you know, let's maybe get back to the Sonics here. <laughs> 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 no, seriously, uh, I, I do want to go fly with you in that. That does look cool. And uh, hint hint, you really got to take it to Oshkosh. Uh,
3: I would like to go this year, but it work wise is not looking to be in my favor
1: you know mike and i can take
3: it out there for you yeah i'm sure you guys
1: would like to
0: <laughs> <laughs> they'll even buy the oil for it
1: yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna go that far come on we don't, <laughs> we're not that rich
0: <laughs> all right well let's let's jump into this topic of uh preparing for the unexpected uh, so when i when i think about this and this started from a an earlier conversation we had a couple weeks ago um, there's a few things that, that come up to my mind and unexpected situations that that you may see while you're out flying uh, first off um, preparing for the unexpected is it's kind of a kind of an odd expression because if we identify them and talk about them in exam- in advance then they're really not unexpected but anyway that's that's kind of the point is we can plan a little bit now and maybe cut down some of the uncertainty so things that come to my mind uh, minor breakdown when you're out at a fuel stop uh, some sort of in-flight engine problem. Now, we're not talking about the engine quits, but some problem. Some roughness. Um, maybe uh, you're seeing some higher than normal temps. Something like that. Something that you really got to kind of check out. Weather changes that cause you to change your plans. Um, or or some other thing that causes you to change your itinerary. What other, what? just generally speaking, what other types of unexpected situations are we going to talk about?
1: Well, I think you need to be ready <coughs> Um, let me just put uh, an example out. Mike and I were flying back to Oshkosh last year. Uh, Gary was a little bit ahead of us and, uh, he's scud running it, ran it all the way into Oshkosh, but we chickened out and had to, uh, divert to, uh, some little, uh, airport in, uh, Illinois and spend the night. So we needed to be ready for making a quick, uh, a hotel reservation, getting a ride to the hotel, um, you know, overnighting, and and being ready to, to get back in the morning. So that's one thing that you have to always be prepared for. And that means just having enough uh, of a credit card to handle those extra expenses.
0: Well, it's more than just having a credit card. It's having the right mindset, too, which says, you're, hey, you might have to react to something, but it's not going to be a disaster. You're just going to work the problem. And if it means you spend a few bucks, well, that's what it takes to get the job done.
1: Well, and what we did was we we landed because there was a big squall line between us and Oshkosh, and we kept being pushed south. Um, we landed with the entire idea we were going to wait it out and try to get in that evening. Um, it just didn't formulate. So, you know, our, our backup plan was, okay, we'll just get a motel. And, uh, you know, we, we shared a motel. Um, we didn't share a bed, but we shared a motel. And then, you know, got back the next morning, and we uh, launched and, and got in. So, you know, it was it was nothing uh, dramatic. It was just, you know, you just roll with the punches.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, Gary, what comes to your mind? What are those unexpected things that, that you think about when we were kind of planning this topic?
2: Uh, you know, aside from the, the, the weather issues that, that John did, I mean, that's always a good one. You always get some unexpected things. It's particularly hard to fly cross-country via I find, unless you have just an abundant amount of time. Uh, so if you can get your IFR ticket and get equipped, that's th- certainly a good uh, cost savings. I remember uh, when I was doing a, a Florida trip back when I was just flying the old Skyhawk days, I took my wife and some families. And we went to a little small airport not far in Florida, but got the low ceilings. You know, It was just a couple hundred feet thick the next morning and couldn't lift off because I wasn't IFR rated at the time. Unfortunately, it was a good impetus. My wife said, well, you will get your IFR rating because we all had to call in to miss work for Monday and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, all that kind of stuff really happens. But you can meet some really interesting people. And, you know, I've had experiences where I were put up in a very nice private home overlooking the Oregon coast uh, in an A-frame house with a gorgeous garden. They fed us, wined us, dined us, and took us back to the uh, airport the next day. So that's actually a bonus rather than a hindrance. Some of the other things I think about, one of the first episodes that I had, though, when I was, as you know, I fly up here in the Denver metro area, uh, fairly high density alt- time, altitudes all the time. So I had my aero injector set for, for high altitude, basically. You know, I would typically run, you know, three to three and a half gallons per hour at my density altitudes. Well, I took a trip down to Reclaw in Texas for a very big fly in there. Um, kind of like a hillbilly fly, and it's a great, great place to go. And I got down there, and I made a fuel stop about 50 miles outside of the recliner. I wanted to top off. Lo and behold, though, when I tried to take off again, my EGTs and CHTs were running so hot that I basically had to limp it in that last 50 miles to keep from overheating the engine because I was running so excessively lean. So sure enough, when I landed there, you know, the next day the engine cooled down. I had to go ahead and pull the cowling and start, you know. Uh, and with the aero injector, so something very light and very easy to take with you is just at least that three uh, sixteenths Allen in, Allen wrench in case you've got to readjust your mixture needle settings. You know, for some significant uh, density altitude changes that you might encounter in a long cross country trip, and certainly that's very light, doesn't take much room. You might need a couple of little tools if you need a pair of pliers, perhaps to pull the piano hinge wires or or something like that. But that's that's a minimal investment. A carry in a little ziploc bag or whatever flight bag that you've got.
1: You know, one of those uh, multi tools is what I carry, and it it will pretty much cover almost everything except the three eighths or the three sixteenths uh, to adjust your aero carb.
2: Yeah, yeah. Most tools, you know, I don't know if you guys think about it generally. I don't don't plan heavily for a lot of tools when I travel. You know, just a basic, uh, you know, three, seven sixteenths, maybe a small pair of pliers. Uh, is pretty much about it on most of that stuff. I've always had the impression that if I was going somewhere, I could probably scrounge a tool or buy a set of tools if I really needed to. I'm more interested in finding the things that might be more sonic-specific that you can't find right off the hardware hardware shelf.
1: Well, going into that, um, the one thing I do is I throw my backpacking first-aid kit, which has a multi-tool in it. It has uh, needle and, and thread. It has all the first aid stuff um, that you normally have um, and, some, and a roll of duct tape. And with that, you basically can MacGyver your way uh, out of anything that, that you would want to fly out. Uh, anything more than that, you probably need to get a mechanic to help you.
0: So when I look at tools in, in my kit, I look at what are the things that I'm going to want to do on the road? Uh, now this is not major stuff, you know, going to a mechanic, but simple stuff. If I lose a screw out of my wheel pants, I'm going to want to be able to tighten it or put a new screw in. Uh, if I if I have a, a tire that is low on air, I'm going to want to be able to air up a tire. Uh, a bolt that's starting to come out, either it's 3 sixteenths or quarter inch, I'm going to want to be able to tighten it. So, wrench and socket for that. Pliers, a few zip ties if I lose a pin in the cowling, or maybe I need to, you know, do something like that. Um... If you foul a spark plug or, or something like that, you're not going to do a complete spark plug change, but you might have one cylinder that is just acting up. So I carry a, a spark plug wrench, a, a socket handle, and one spark plug. You know, I'm not going to do more than that, but, but one spark plug might be what I need if I'm having a, an issue. And then just a few other just little things, some Loctite, the, the carb tool and screwdriver in case I need to remove the air filter and clean out the air filter, uh, really, really simple, basic stuff. And then to that kit, I add my tie-down kit and my, my canopy lock because you don't want to be stuck on a ramp where you have to wait on something and not be able to put your canopy cover on, lock up your airplane, tie it down if there's no ropes at the at the ramp. So I carry all that. And then a couple of rags just for general purpose and maybe uh, the uh, cleaner for the window. And that's pretty much what my uh, my travel kit looks like.
2: Well, we can talk about some other more specific things that it might really get you out of a pinch. Um, we already talked about the Allen wrench for the carburetor adjustments. I think should everyone should at least carry something like that. Uh, the next thing too, we, we a lot of times we talk about tires, you know, and, and having a flat tire. You know, I kind of miss the old days where we had those vulcanized patches where you light those little puppies on fire, they instantly bond. You know, I haven't tried any, any new epoxy type patches to see whether or not they're really as good. I suppose they would at least get you through one flight. Uh, but the, comes the question is, how are you going to jack up a Sonics uh, to even get the tire off and to be able to change it? You know, in my hangar, I usually I basically had a high lift floor jack that I could put a two by four uh, catty corner underneath the the longerons in the bottom and, and jack up that whole thing that way. But there is another way that you can do it, too, and you can carry something very simple, too. Uh, it's a little bit more work. You have to pull your fairing off of one gear leg, but you can actually take even just a regular spiral a hose clamp, and put that on, and that the where the screw is on the hose clamp gives you enough of a lip that you can probably scrounge or find some little small bottle jack somewhere uh, to get at least that couple of inches that you need to get the tire, to get the wheel up off the ground, so that you could take take the tire off and work on the inner tube. And so, of course, a hose clamp could be used for many things, and it takes up no space and no significant weight as well.
1: You know, also Gary, a, a great way to raise uh, one wheel is to uh, go to the local liquor store, buy a six pack of beer, and get a good old boy um, that's big enough to just get it under your wing and and pick it
2: up with his back. <laughs> his and use the six pack to buy his to buy his labor.
1: <laughs> yeah, you use a six pack to to ply him into uh, holding the wig
2: wheel up while you uh, chase them.
0: Hey, uh, you guys laugh, but that's exactly what we did in Kansas City. Uh, one of the fly-ins, we, we flew to breakfast, and Bob Micah had a bit of a gear problem. I forget exactly what the problem was, whether it was a tire or a fairing or something like that. And so we all just sort of surged on his airplane, and a couple of us got underneath the, the wing and just with our backs just sort of lifted it up and held the plane while they worked on it. Put it all back together, we had ribs.
1: That is a Micah standard. He did that at Oshkosh, the first t- trip I went back on. He had a bunch of guys picking the plane up that way and... He was doing something with his axle. I don't know. I was under the plane waiting for him a beer.
0: Well, he's very practical when it comes to things like that. All right. Well, um, you know, something else that that's happened to me more than once is you, you stop in for gas, and there's a problem with the pumps. You know, uh, coming back from Sun and Fun, we stopped. The plane in front of us got filled up about three-quarters of the way full, and then the pump shut off, and it wouldn't start again. They didn't know what the problem was. It was either clogged or it was running low on gas or something. So they got most of the gas they needed. They did their high five and, and burned rubber out of there and left me with no gas. And so now I'm looking at the chart going, oh, where's the next gas station? And uh, so now I, I don't like that uncomfortable feeling where, you, you know, you don't really know if you can get to the next one down the road. So I always just kind of consider that. If I... If I land here and, and I got no gas, where will I go as my alternate? And I don't want to be counting minutes until the tank's empty to see if I can reach it. So I might stop a little early just so I can keep a little more gas in the tank so I won't have that situation.
2: Yeah, that's always a good idea. You especially never know at some of these airports whether they're really going to have fuel or not. Uh, yeah, I drop dropped multiple sources or make phone calls ahead of time.
1: I dropped into an a airport that on the chart said they had... Uh, self-service gas, it turned out to be a uh, uh, a crop duster operation that wasn't there. And I was running low, and I had enough to get to the 30 miles to the next uh, fuel stop. But, uh, yeah, it was a little dicey.
2: Yeah, even Carl and I, we had trouble when we were making a trip down to uh, for My second trip, we were in his 175. Carl, remember that? We stopped at an airport, great little airport. Unfortunately, they were having mechanical issues with their fuel pump. Yep. So then again, we kind of, you know, snacked up and went to the restroom, loaded up, and took another 50 mile hop to get to a, another uh, serviceable pump. So, you know, stuff happens even if they do have uh, 24 hour fuel. Sometimes they just, you know, it's a gizmo. <laughs> things break.
3: And kind of getting back to where Jeff started when, you know, <clears throat> taking cross country trips. I mean, the, mind, the mindset that I go into on in any cross country trip is, is, Basically, it's it's part of the whole experience. I mean, whatever the experience is, is the experience. And if you have a mechanical failure where you have to put down and spend the night or, you know, pump failure to a gas for gas or mechanical failure or things aren't working out right. I mean, it's basically, you know, I take the approach of I'm not in a rush. So it's just part of the experience of flying. Adventure and, is the right word. Yeah, adventure, it's an experience, it's the adventure, it's a memory, and it's just all part of the the whole package. And I just try not to get to a hurry-up or a rush attitude and just enjoy it as it comes because that's all you can do. Uh, One time, uh, Mike and I dropped into a little airport in Iowa
1: that, of course, the church said had gas. They did have gas. It was locked up, and there's nobody there. And we walked over to the FBO and called the phone number on the wall. And lo and behold, half an hour later, the dirt was kicking up off the road as the guy kids driving in to unlock the pumps for us. So
2: it just took to a little extra time. The mechanical stuff. Yeah, you know, the, another episode we recently had that, that uh, John helped me with and, and Carl a little bit as well. Is when I was down there a few months ago, and we were trying to start flying off. All of a sudden, I lost, I lost my brakes. I actually had one of the lines come out of the master cylinder there. And uh, in order to get the thing repaired, you know, of course the, the ferrule had been already crushed previously, and so we had to end up trying to cut the tube. But we needed a new ferrule. It wasn't something I normally carried, and it's, it's kind of an odd size too. And that would be something else that would be kind of difficult to find, perhaps in a local hardware store. So even just carrying an extra ferrule for a brake line, for example, uh, might be something that again, extremely lightweight. You may never have to use it, but it's one of those things that it, it might be worthwhile throwing in your bag with your, you know, three 16th inch Allen wrench, you know, your hose clamp, your pliers. If you're using your uh, a little bit of safety wire, a couple of screws, like we talked about. A lot of people like this new silicone uh, rescue tape stuff for a variety of issues. So that was another example, too. I mean, we still might be stuck on finding some suitable brake fluid. We did try one that didn't work. But, again, it's those little tiny parts that are kind of sonic-specific that we might need to think a little bit more on. Um, You know, I can go on with a couple of other issues if you guys want me to just keep running my mouth here for a second. Uh, I have the old-style fuel tank in my system where it had the, the thermos plug as far as the sealer and gas cap. And I can tell you those things don't seem to last for an extraordinarily long period of time. Uh, I I typically run just autogas, which does have ethanol in there, so it's hard to say whether or not that really is affected or not. Um, I never really saw any deterioration in the rubber, uh, but it's not uncommon for those things to seal perfectly fine for one moment, then you're flying around, and all of a sudden you're starting to get a lot of smell of gasoline in your cockpit because those things will rupture on the bottom and basically lose their seal. So I've always got to the point where I'd always carry another one of those thermos plugs, uh, again in a Ziploc bag in the back. Was that that's something that you really got to seal? You got to you can't be flying around with that gas flashing everywhere, uh, not only from the safety but just from the, uh, the well actually the safety for breathing and that stuff. And that's not a part that you can locally pick up. Again, relatively small, relatively lightweight. Uh, but if you actually have one that goes bad on you, you're, you're going to be awfully glad you have one.
0: All right, um, John, I w- we talked about your oil loss story, so l- let's do that again. T- tell us that story about losing oil in flight. Okay.
1: <clears throat> well, I, I uh, actually, for uh, safety reasons, I put a mechanical oil pressure gauge on my panel as a backup to my uh, EFIS-based uh, oil pressure, and so it has a little oil tube, uh, pressure tube, that you, um, you plumb into the engine, and on the Jabberoo, there's an extra uh, uh, port that you just plumb it into. It's an NTP 18th uh, uh, port, and it pressurizes this tube, and you run that tube all the way back to your panel to the gauge. And so it's an entirely mechanical system, uh, no electronics. And the idea, my, my idea was that if I lost all my electrical, at least I'd know how much oil pressure I have. It uh, works great, and unless the, uh, the, the tube rubs against the exhaust manifold and gets a hole in it. And that's exactly what ha- happened. We were flying. Uh, I was flying a formation with Carl's CJ, with him and Mike in it, and uh, they noticed I was uh, producing a nice oil, uh, smoke trail. And when I peeled off, they said you've got a lot of oil on your belly. And so we diverted to the nearest airport, a little airport in in the middle of central Colorado called Lyman. Um, I landed, and, and yes, I was I was spraying oil out that a little pinhole out of that uh, out of that pressure line. Um, so the the challenge was okay. How do we fix this in the field? I didn't have a plug. I didn't have anything to seal that line and uh, luckily a uh, a local uh, pilot was there uh, said I'm a plumber I have uh, NTP fittings back in my my house I said can you get me one Uh, just a plug and so we uh, I pulled the cowl off cleaned it up he uh, went and got me a a one eighth NTP plug I put it in where the oil pressure unit was sealed it up put some more oil in it and I was ready to go
0: So that kind of goes back to to your point, Gary. It's probably worth thinking through, what do I have on my airplane that I, I would really need and I couldn't get easily? And uh, maybe just assemble a, a very small spare parts kit.
2: We talked a little bit about the fuel, the carburetor. You talked about a spare plug. The two other items I find that frequently seem to go out on people and there's no way to really predict it. One would be a voltage regulator, and, and the second might be a, a secondary ignition coil. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on carrying either, one, or both of those type of items? I have both. So you carry a, a separate coil as well as a voltage regulator, Carl. Uh huh. I, so I have
3: two you? coil. I, I
2: don't carry two both coils with me, but I do carry no, a coil. you could carry voltage one. Voltage regulator. Yeah, vulture yeah, trigger is very light. doesn't take up much weight either. Yeah. I've heard people get anywhere from, you know, 150 hours to, you know, almost 500 hours on those things. It just kind of depends on luck of the draw, where they're located, how how heat sensitive they, they seem to be in your particular location. What do you think, Jeff?
0: Well, I think it's a good way to mitigate. Uh, you're not going to be able to get it uh, in any less than a day or two. Maybe, probably your fastest way, is if you know somebody that has one and they can drive it out to you or mail it to you quick. Uh, trying to get one from a supply house, it's going to take at least a couple of days. Yeah. So if if that's a really problem for you, you're on the road, you can't just sort of leave it at the at the airport of uh, you know a hundred miles away and catch a ride back to, to the house. That's a good way to mitigate that. Just take it with you. And you're probably going to need it at some point, whether you just rotate it out as part of your normal maintenance in five or ten years, or you need it on the road. It's probably a, a pretty decent way to, to address that.
2: Yeah, what about preventive maintenance? I don't know of any of us that routinely replace the parts ahead of time. I suppose it could be done, you know, with your, your ignition coils and, and regulator as well. It just It's hard to figure out what the magic number is to make it kind of cost-benefit basis.
1: Uh, Let me me just say, I I preventatively replaced my uh, voltage regulator because of uh, scare stories I've heard. And I had 300 hours, and I said, well, it's just about time. Eighty-five bucks, put a new regulator on. Yeah, it could be worthwhile.
0: And the Jabiru, they even talk about that. You know, at at 500 hours, you ought to change your cap and rotors, and uh, maybe even your plugs also. And the idea is they're not that expensive. And you're likely to see a little bit of wear and degradation at that point. Why not just go ahead and proactively change them?
2: Yeah, I think it's a good point to think about. Another thing I kind of think about too is, you know, I had one of the big old uh, Odyssey six twenty eight batteries, I believe it was. And I, I hear stories; these things last for seven, eight years. You know, always kept trickle charger on it. Always seemed to perform very reliably. I couldn't see any problems with my voltage regulator. Uh, but I noticed about a year or so ago, and I was doing an annual. I had a date on the battery. It had been five years, and I kind of thought to myself, you know, I could probably get a couple more years out of this thing, but then again, if I get stuck some airport somewhere just because I'm trying to squeak an extra couple of months out of this thing, I'd probably be a pretty unhappy camper. So I kind of did that one proactively and just replaced it out a couple of years earlier than what, what the anticipated failure rate was.
1: Well, what are your guys' plans? If you land for fuel and you find that your battery just went nuts um so you got a dead battery uh can you can you uh hand prop it you think and get get home or are you gonna have to uh go to the uh the the radio shack and get another
0: one well for me i carry my my float charger with me and uh my thing is i'll pull it up next to the fbo find a power outlet put my charger on it and sit back for an hour or two and and let it charge and uh and only after that doesn't work will
2: i try something else would a float charger do that from a dead battery, though?
0: Well, yeah, that, that's right, and um, it's actually not a float charger. It's, uh, it's it's one of the chargers that Odyssey recommends, and it's got a it's got a six amp, uh, I forget what they call it, but a six amp charge. So so it'll it'll push a charge pretty quick into a low battery.
2: Yeah, that could do something in a couple hours.
0: And that situation happened to Kip at uh, Sun and Fun this past year. Um, he just couldn't get his plane started it just wasn't cranking fast enough to to really light it off so we pulled it over through the float through my charger on there i I keep saying float charger but it's really not a float charger it's a it's a maintainer and it will go into float mode but it's a pretty decent charger put that on there for about a half hour brought his voltage up enough to to spin the battery or spin the motor faster and fired right up and he was able to get on out
2: yeah i'm certainly we wouldn't be carrying extra batteries because they're just notoriously heavy except for some of the lithium stuff but you know yeah you guys right. I don't know. We, you know the, the idea of, of getting a, a little small motorcycle battery just to get you through uh, might be a workable solution, you can probably find those pretty much anywhere, be it like say to Walmarts or any place else.
1: Well, now with the new lithium polymers, you know you could probably figure out someone could figure out a good twelve volt jump start that'll get you going.
2: Well, my next build, i I do actually do have a jump start capability that i can I can just plug into my new system. And so you know, some of those little jumpstart packs are about the size uh, of an old cell phone. Uh, relatively small, very light, but apparently just put out a, a ton of amps for that very short duration that you need to start something.
1: It kind of reminds me of the uh, the old movie uh, "Flight of the Phoenix," where they had only a few of the charges to start the engine.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's close this out with. Um any, any bits of wisdom that you, know, you guys have learned through your own experiences? Let's just sort of summarize it. We'll just rattle it off, and, uh, and then we'll close this out. So, uh, John, why don't you start us off?
1: Well, I think you, know, you, can, you can kill yourself trying to figure out all the possible solutions that will leave you um, renting a car and driving home. Uh, I think you just take the bigger ones that you can carry, because the Sonics is really tiny. You don't have a lot of options to take a lot of spare parts. Um, have enough tools to do enough to to try to get you home and then have the credit card ready to go rent the car. If you, you know, if you're that nervous about it, that's my, my
0: philosophy. All right, Carl.
3: I would, with what John said, I would, I would uh, agree with that. And then also, um, when you're planning your cross country, like we've talked about, you want to, you want to plan on or think about those items that you should take or need to take. That's more specific for the Sonics, like the Allen wrench uh, to adjust the, the arrow, the arrow injector. Uh, those small items that you know you're not going to be able to find in a pinch um, that could leave you stranded, and to um, uh, make sure that you you plan ahead in the sense that um, don't, don't try to, don't try to force it or rush it. Um, and, you know, take your time and make sure that you're, 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 you're constantly thinking ahead, you know, like fuel stops and, you know, head, you know, um, headwinds, things of that nature, uh, to make sure that you're not trying to force anything out that that you don't need to, to cause stress is what, you know, the biggest thing that I think about.
0: All right, good. Um, Gary, how about from your perspective?
2: Well, I think I covered some of the items I thought that I was always going to carry because I, I had to replace them fairly consistently. Um, nothing nothing else to really add other than the other guys we've already, we've already talked about. Just hopefully we'll find some good neighbor that can help us out, give us a lift, give us an idea, or come up with a temporary fix. But, you know, just keep on flying and keep on plugging away.
0: Yeah, and a few things, uh, I'll just kind of run down my list to summarize. Um, I didn't talk so much about this previously. I think we've covered this in other other episodes. But make sure that you do your prep before you head out on a cross-country. That's going to instill confidence in your machine and, and that you're ready to go. Don't do something major and then launch on your Oshkosh cross-country. Cross you know, if you're going to change the oil, or like I did, change your, your tires, Make sure you get a couple flights on them to to prove that everything is ready to go. You don't need to be thinking about, man, is that a new engine roughness that I'm feeling Uh, after you had the cowling off and maybe you were changing spark plugs or something. So make sure you plan enough time to to really kind of vet that your plane truly is ready to go. Uh, Along this line, don't make the first time that you do some of this stuff uh, cross-country time. If you're going to Take that Oshkosh trip and you're going to have two people and full fuel and camping gear and you're packed to the gills. Don't make that the first time you ever do that is when you're launching on your trip. You don't want to have a, a, a rude awakening when you find that you stop for gas and you're at a more aft CG than you have ever flown before. Again, you want to vet all these things ahead of time and that way you can focus on the flying and not on the discovery. Uh, have a backup plan. For when you land and there's no gas, it's happened to me numerous times, including airports that I have verified that they do have gas and the pumps are working, and by the time I get there, something has changed and there's no gas. So just have a backup plan. And then uh, consider just uh, being very cautious on your on your range. Make sure that if you do have to get back in the airplane and fly to the next gas stop, that you can do that safely and you're not down into minutes before you, you run dry. And then lastly, just uh, approach it from the right mentality. Be flexible and mentally agile. Uh, make sure that you go into this with, like you say, with the spirit of adventure, that you're ready to to work problems as they come up. Don't get flustered. Just, just work through it. And then uh, you never know how it might turn out. You might make some new friends. Uh, you might meet some really interesting, very friendly aviation people when you drop into some little airport. I've done that myself where I've been out flying and it got too late, and I was not able to get all the way to my destination, and just randomly bumped into people at the airport, and they just invite you in with open arms, and it just turns out to be a great experience. So, be agile, be flexible, have the right ma- mindset, go into it for the adventure, and uh, I think you'll be surprised that things usually turn out in your favor. And if all goes poorly, be ready to whip out the credit card like you said, John, and and implement your backup plan be ready to spend time on the ground or change your plans, and uh, and it'll all work out. So that's that's kind of my lessons learned when I think about preparing for the unexpected.
2: Plus, most of us really wouldn't cry too much if we absolutely had to miss that extra day of work.
0: Yeah, th- that's what I call the fringe benefits. You know, I think
1: Kip, uh, Kip said it best. He said just plan. Don't, don't plan too much because... The adventure is just the voyage. It's not the the destination. It's it's how long you 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 may get stuck in a place for a couple of days. That's just fine. That's just what happened. Totally agree.
0: And and you're going to remember those experiences more than the uh, the you know the the burger run that was just like the last burger run you did. Those are going to fade. Um, those really interesting experiences that that come up and you work through a problem, that's going to stick with you. That That's going to be those stories that you're going to tell when you're sitting around the campfire.
1: I don't know. I remember every breakfast that Carl has bought me.
3: I think there was <laughs> one. <laughs>
1: I was
0: going to say, that's a really long list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, any uh, any final parting thoughts, guys? Are you guys going to Oshkosh? I, I know, Gary, I know you're out of town. Uh, Carl, you said you weren't. You were you were probably not John, are you thinking about it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Mike and I are heading out. We're gonna do it late week though, instead of early week.
0: Okay. Well, I'm planning to be up there early in the week. I don't know how late I'll stay. I may stay all week or I may get bored and come home early. I don't know. But we're uh,
1: leaving we're leaving Monday morning. I mean, that's the tentative plan and then spending the entire week. So
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah, that's still pretty early. I'll be up there probably the Friday before the show starts and I'll be bumming around that first weekend and then uh, I'll be there on, you know, on Monday I'll be there for the Sonic's Foundation get together and and the night air show and all that. I might I might head home Thursday or Friday. I don't think I'll stay for that last weekend though.
1: Okay. Yeah, we're we're probably and bumping out on Friday or Saturday.
0: Good. Yeah, we'll have to get together. Definitely. Okay. We'll be in camping. All right. Well, we'll. Uh, yeah, I'll, I guess we can uh, put some some Sonics Builder coordination posts out there, so we can all figure out how to link up. We ought to try to do uh, a show from the campground. So I'll work on that and make sure we got all the bits and pieces to do that. And uh, if anybody else is out there and and the campgrounds and wants to join us, we will put the details out and you can come on by. And and uh, the price of admission to these things is pretty low. You just have to bring liquid refreshment.
1: And we'll do it in front of the speed cow. <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> hey, did you guys see? Uh, you know the uh, the the photos that Bob Micah posted from their get together in Gardner. He had oh. a couple of period models posing in his airplane.
1: Yeah, with the with the uh, the eye candy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we gotta try to we gotta try to up up him one. You know, he's he's got all the luck. So that'll be that's gonna have to be our goal. Is that we're gonna have to find some better looking models. To pose next to your speed cal at Austin. You know,
1: I am trying to get Carl to show up. And I think I can get him into one of those suits.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I just got one quick shout-out. And this is to uh, the Sun Sunshade guys. Uh, You know, we all use Coger Sunshades. Um, I love mine. I have one of the small universals. And I was a little bit... I don't know, maybe maybe uh, questioning the price, because it seemed like it was kind of a high price for what it is. After getting it and using it, I love it. I would not go back. Um, you couldn't pry it out of my hands. I really, really like it. So talking talking to another builder, Dave Misner, um, he was talking with Koger and they, they agreed to do a, a custom sort of special fit one. They're going to have a whole bunch of their Sonic specials at Oshkosh. It's slightly longer to give you just a little bit more shade over the top. Price went up a few bucks, but still a pretty good deal. So if anybody is on the fence, definitely just jump in and get one of those sunshades. They're great. You're going to love them.
2: Yeah, I like mine too, but I agree. It would be nice to have be, about three or four inches in length.
0: Well, the new Sonic Special added five additional inches, so yeah, that good. ought to really get that that forward portion taken care of. Good. All right. Well, uh, good talking to you guys. Um, I look forward to seeing you at Oshkosh and, uh, Gary, send us plenty of pictures of your vacation. Uh, yeah. that looks pretty cool. If you're going to miss Oshkosh, you know, go someplace cool and do something fun.
2: I plan to be bathing in the sea of Azov you'll have to look it up. I did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, for everybody else, uh, thanks for joining us again. Um, you can find this episode uh, and the show notes at sonicsflight.com slash 22. You can subscribe to us in iTunes or Google Play and, and whatever your favorite podcast app is. And uh, all those other stuff, you know, you can get our, our email on the on the website and send feedback or whatever you think. And uh, we got a whole long list of topics coming up. It, it ought to be a, a busy summer and a busy fall with some really good topics. But if you think you have a great topic that that ought to get to the top of the rotation, send us an email and tell us what you think it is and and uh, we'll definitely get it on the list. So thanks again, guys. Carl, um, when I fly that, that CJ of yours, when I fly that, I don't want the kitty ride. I want the full-up ride. So just keep that in mind. Full-up. The,
3: the full-up. Uh, I have six sacks in there, so.
0: we'll bring a dozen because I want to use them all.
1: <laughs> hey, he used them all last time he gave me the stick, so.
2: <laughs> you're standard flying
3: yep <laughs> on standard. Yeah. yeah as mike
1: says i gotta fly straight and level if i want to get my <laughs> fr rating mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah not happening is that what mike you probably don't
0: even know you've taken off you're like is that it are we back down already
2: <laughs>
0: all right guys have yep have on. a good evening we'll talk to you later
2: bye-bye all
0: right guys Carl, are, we might be getting some echo on your end.
3: Well, I can always drop out. I'm okay with that, too.
0: No, 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 no. You're here. You're you're on board. Bad. No bailing out
3: now. It doesn't sound bad now. I, I don't know. It sounds terrible on my side.
2: That's just because you're listening to John.
1: <laughs> 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 I resemble that mark.